Father, we just ask that you would continue to bless your word in our lives and in this house today. Father, that we might decrease and that you might increase in us in this holy season, I pray. In Jesus' holy name. This is the season of testing. Has anybody felt the testing of the Lord this week? I don't want you to forget this passage of scripture. And some would say, don't give the devil any glory. I'm not here to give him any glory today. I'm here to alert the saints once more of what he has planned for us. He said in in God's word, he said, I will pursue them. I will overtake them. I will divide them. My lust shall be satisfied upon them, and I will draw my sword against them to destroy them. This is what the enemy has plans for you. So when you had a little bit of struggle this week, just know that the enemy is doing his work. And I pray that the church of the living God would rise up and do their work. For greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And when we get these troubles and anxieties and temptations, that we will recognize that it is the works of darkness and we are greater than the works of darkness. So the message this morning is not about him, it's about us. And it's about Jesus Christ living in us. And this is an hour, you know, we are sensing the temptations of the enemy. I don't know about you, but I have, I have just had warfare. And the, the enemy is at work to destroy the blessings of God in our life that we don't, we have more horror, more suffering and more difficulties than joy. We are supposed to be filled with the joy of the Lord. And his, he said, Jesus said, let this, my, I want my joy to be in you. So I'm having a little conflict even this morning because I'm going to talk about the devil and tell how awful he is and what to expect he's going to do and how we are going to overpower him. He's still rejoicing because he thinks that Christ is dead on the cross. But let me tell you something. There is no death in Christ on the cross. It's over. It's behind us. Jesus said it's finished. So we are at that point in our life where we are triumphant in God. Do we have struggles? Do we have sorrows? Do we have heartaches? Do we have loss? We have all those things because that is part of the crucified life. But we're going through it. We're still standing. We're in his house. And he is more powerful in us than the devil can ever do to us. So, well, yes, step on him, brother. (laughs) So, be alerted, church. That this is a high season where the enemy is in temptation. He took Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days and he tempted him. And Jesus overcome by the word of the Lord. That's how we overcome. When we get into our trial, our testing, our heartache, our sorrow, or our, something of our own doing that we should not have done, we have to stand fast in God, receive forgiveness, and move forward in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So this is a season. Pretty soon the black flat, the black um, cloth will be on the cross because 
We want to remember the suffering and the heartache that Christ went through because we can identify with that as the enemy tempts us and torments us. But what we have is that Jesus Christ lives in us and we are more powerful against the works of darkness. And he's going to step up his stuff. He's stepped it up more today than ever. Things are going on today that I never even dreamed would ever go on in our world. And the enemy is fighting even for our country. He's fighting for the churches. He's fighting for our life. He has destruction on his mind. But greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. So let's just remember that we have power over the works of darkness. And I want to encourage you in the bulletin every week we have this reading. And if if the message resonates in your heart, just put that Put that bulletin somewhere where you can pick it up and read those scriptures and let those scriptures germinate in your spirit and remember the message because God wants to work in our heart and our life in a supernatural way. And that will help us right there. We can put that up and say, you know, I, the word of God is written. Do what God has said in his word. And that would be joyful in the midst of your heartache and your sorrow. I can't tell you that it's going to be a bed of roses ahead, but I can tell you that eternal life is going to be awesome. No sickness, no heartache, no struggle, no worry. That's the road that we're on, church. We have a destination in God to be triumphant. And so today I want to talk about our discipline. I hope that everybody has a discipline. I can't command you to do that, but I pray that even if you haven't, that you will, when I get done with this message today, that you will take some simple, quiet thing into your heart and your spirit to give up and sacrifice for the cause of the kingdom of God. And and if it, if it's a food or a, something of a flesh, that's excellent because you need to bring your flesh under the uh, significance of God under control, but also a spiritual thing. Uh, if you're going to give up something, then what will you take up in your spiritual life to grow in the cause of God? So the message today is entitled, I Will. We say I, I preached on I last week about I as a great word. We talk it all the time. We say it all the time. If we could only say Jesus as much as we say I. But today I want to talk about I will. I want to talk about Jesus telling us what he will do. And what then I want us to think think about what he will put in our spirit to say we will do. The Bible says in Genesis 17, 7, this is what brought about this message today, God said, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed. And what is important today, as I heard Sister's testimony or her prayer request, and I have heard Daniel last week to pray for the children and these kinds of things, this, the secret word here that we need to remember that the devil kind of hides when we read it. You know, we read it, we don't, we hear it, but we don't, you know, we don't take it into our spirit. It says, this is what God said. He said, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed. You know, your seed is not forgotten. God is working on it. It may, they may be going nine, nine miles away from God, but God will not let them go because He has promised that He has a covenant with you. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He has a covenant with you and your seed is under that covenant and He's going to drive them crazy until they come to God. 
Now, some of the things that are happening in their lives is just because God is uh, nudging them and it, and it is a discipline in their life that they don't like. So I want to tell you that God is not just after you and me. He's after our seed and the generations to come, it says, for he is an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed forever. So you might look at your offspring and think it's never going to happen, but trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. Genesis 17.7. So take that scripture to heart and know that God is mindful of your offspring. He's mindful of your family. He's mindful of where you're going and what you're doing. They talk about they have an AI today that it knows everything about us. Listen, God has always had the AI. I'm sorry. He knows everything about us and he knows about them and he knows about the sins of humanity. Nothing is hid from God. So today I want us to think about this and I want us to think seriously about our dis- discipline. It's not just a tradition, church. It's something that we do because we remember the suffering of Christ. We remember that he went 40 days in with fa- uh, without food, fasting, and all those 40 days that he was be- trying to be holy and fast unto his father, the devil was there telling him what he could have if he would serve him. And that's ultimately the same thing that the enemy is trying to do today, to tempt us with the things of this world. And I tell you something of a truth, that Christianity has become very, very uh, anemic because we don't stand like we used to. I, I can think about the times my mother's, you know, she was just a little quiet person, but I tell you what, she got persecuted and hit on because she spoke for Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you today, church, we've got to come to that place where we will stand for what is right and we will stand against the wickedness of the world. But what has happened is the church has come, become complacent because there's so much on television. There's so, you know, you can't sit on television at all and have any holiness because every commercial's filthy. And I tell you this of a church today, of a truth today, church, because God wants our holiness. He wants our righteousness. He wants us to stand strong for him. And he wants us to be able to say, I will serve the Lord. I will stand for God. I will come against the works of darkness. And I will straighten up my life and be pure before him. So trusting that you have a discipline or that today maybe you will make one. But we need this. We need this time to think about forgiveness. What do I need to be forgiven for, Lord? What am I worrying about? Because worry is a sin, church. What What is happening in my life that is bringing such a struggle to me? It's not the will of God that we struggle. It's the will of God that we commit things to him and our struggling is in him. And he is a burden bearer for our, our, our problems and our difficulties. So today the message is about relinquishing our will and springing forth in this season with the discipline that we're going to plan for 40 days and maybe after the 40 days it will become a habit for us and we, it will be a glorious spiritual habit that we will put the word of God in our life and when we begin to struggle that we'll trust more in the Lord than we trust in what we can do for ourselves. Uh, my message comes from the Psalms. It's about David. He Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Everybody knows that. There's a little secret here 
that that why David is a man after God's own heart. Because the secret is found in the scriptures where in the Psalms over and over and over, David says, I will, I will, I will, I will do that, Father. He speaks the will, his will. He relinquishes his will. Church, that's the hardest thing to do. But Jesus is our example. He has relinquished his will in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he paid the price for our salvation. And I know I'm speaking to the choir today, but church, we've got to come forth more triumphant, more holy, more precious, more sanctified, because the enemy is at work to destroy the body of Christ. And so we are the body of Christ, and we have got to stand for truth, and we've got to be able to say, I will come against the works of darkness, and I will guard my mouth, and I will serve the Lord, and I will read his word. And we need to get a spirit of I will in us, and that's why David was a man after God's own heart, because he was willing to lay down his will. And this is the hardest thing in the world. It was the hardest thing for Jesus. Everybody knows it was so hard for him to lay down his will. But but he is an example before us. When we say, when we feel to speak things we shouldn't speak, lay down our will and be quiet. And let the Lord work in the situation and in the crisis. Over and over in the Psalms, David worships the Lord with I will. He worships him and he gives sacrifice unto him. Now, to really appreciate David's I will, you'd have to know his trials and his struggles. God anointed him. God called him. He thought he was special to God. He said, okay, God, I, you know, he, I will be that. But then the enemy started coming against him. The story, it's the whole book of Psalms. And, and Saul comes after him to destroy his purpose in life. And But David continues to relinquish his will to God. So if you don't get anything else out of the message today... God is speaking to us to relinquish our will and to be more powerful in the power of his blood. You know, uh, our sins are not just covered by the, the heifers that they sacrificed. Our sins are covered by the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. Church, he wants us to be cleansed. He's provided that for us that we can be cleansed and so yesterday might have been bad but today we we can be cleansed by the power of relinquishing our will and saying god i was wrong help me i will serve you i i want to impress that in your heart today that god is speaking to the body of christ at large will they serve him or will they serve the idols of our day there are many idols of our day you know i i hate to say this but you know football can be an idol if we if we put it before God. Uh, the things of this world that, you know, our television can be an idol if we're on it more than we think about God. Church, we got to grow up in God. we got to grow in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit because sin is very active in the lives of Christianity. Sin is very active in the lives of the churches. You know, the churches have thought about beauty more than the beauty of Christ. Because it doesn't matter the beauty we have in the house. I thank God for it. And we want to beautify his house. 
But we want to have the same beauty for the power and the anointing of God and the power of the cross that has cleansed us and set us free. And this season is kind of a dark season because the enemy is out to tempt us even as he tempted Christ. And that's why we raise up the banner of Christ. That's why we take on the ashes. That's why we do those things because it's about Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. It's not about having a large congregation. It's not about what we wear. It's not about what we what we do, how much money we have. It's not about anything like that. It's about the Son of the living God who gave his life for us and he broke his will. He laid his will down. And now God is calling the church of Jesus Christ at large to give their will, to relinquish their will to him. And he's saying strange things. He'll, he'll, he'll wake you up in the night. You didn't just wake up because you ate pizza. You woke up because he nudged you. And you, you know, we've got to know that he is speaking and we are not hearing. We have to hear what he is saying. He's speaking to the body of Christ. The word of God is his voice to us. And so we are covered by the blood of the special lamb of God. And that is not like the heifer. That is a sacred covering of his blood that covers us. And he has made an everlasting covenant. If you come to Christ, if you accepted him as your personal savior, you have that covenant. And your children and children's children are involved in that covenant too. And so as you pray for them, you are reminding God that you have a covenant not only for yourself, but you have a covenant for your children. And God's interested in our house. He's interested in our family. He's interested in us being a minister to those that are our, our blood. He has made this everlasting covenant in Genesis 17:7. He said, I will. We have the will of God before us, what he will do for, for us. It's a covenant. It's a promise in writing. In theology or in Christianity or in Ecclesiastics, we bring uh, come into a relation when we come into commitment, when we come into the covenant of God. And I think that it's so easy to break a covenant of marriage. It's so easy to break a covenant with a friend. You know, you might have had a good friend for years and all of a sudden some little thing goes wrong and that covenant of friendship is gone. But, you know, no matter what we do, no matter what we say, no matter how we act, we have a covenant with Christ and he forgives us if we will call on him, if we will live what he wants us to live. And I tell you something, we have got to become more powerful in our character before the world because they're not going to listen to us if we say one thing and do another thing. And so what we, whatever we've done that we shouldn't have done, let's put it on the altar and let's get over it and let's walk forward and let's ask God to heal us from the temptations of our mouth and of our spirit because sometimes our spirit gets out of his spirit and gets in our spirit, you know. And so ask God to heal these things and make it a prayer when you pray. You know, we say, thank you for the food, dear God. We say that if we eat three times a day, we surely say that somehow. So we need to begin to say, God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for bringing hope to my life. I believe you were your word. I trust in your word. And I believe that you will do what you will say you will do. You might not do it the way I want you to do it. But you will do it because you will never leave me nor forsake me. In John fifteen four, the word of God tells us, he says, abide in me and I in you. 
I know that scripture. I can quote that scripture. But do I live that way? Abide in me and I will be in you as the branch bears forth fruit. It cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. God wants us to abide in the vine in his son. Because if not, what's going to happen? Everything we do is going to just be broken and wilted and burned. The scripture says, it says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Abide in me. You know how many times in them two verses? Three times he says, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. Don't abide in your circumstance. Don't abide in your fears. Don't abide in the hurts or the disappointments or those kinds of things. But abide in me. You might have to walk away from some uh, discussions and say, Lord, I'm going to abide in you. Before I abide in the things of the world and act like the world, I'm going to abide in you. So you have to walk away from it. Because, you know, sometimes it's just a heathen and you cannot do a thing. So the best thing to do is to be silent and pray. And I tell you something, church. The church of Jesus Christ is abiding in a lot of things. We need to abide in the power of God and get out of the sin realm. We know that, that we are flesh. We know that we will make mistakes. But God wants us to purify our hearts and our lives. And this is a season. I know that there's more trouble than there's ever been, even like in our country. There's trouble on the horizon. But God is greater. He's the beacon of life. He says, I am the light of the world. He's the light in our soul in this darkness period of time and his covenant and his promises is eternal church we have an eternal destination we are not going to stay here we have an eternal destination and the way to win our family is however god guides us he may guide us in speaking he may guide us in silence he may guide us in prayer but he will guide us through our journey if we will listen to the power of the Holy Spirit, that's one thing that we get out of the suffering and the death of our Christ is the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we think, well, yes, the Holy Spirit's there. We think, well, yes, God is in us. But church, we have to rise to the occasion to know that he's there and to believe that he's there and act like he's there. Because remember what the devil has. He wants to pursue us. He wants to overtake us. He wants to divide us. He wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy the power of God in us, but he cannot do that. But it's up to us to stand strong and to come against the sin and the wickedness of this world. Sometimes I feel like some of the commercials that are seen on TV are just blatant sin. And we have to, you know, shut our eyes, turn it off, put the cross to it. Because... What is good, the devil makes bad. What is good for us, the devil tries to destroy it. Our God is greater than these things, church. Know that we belong to a Savior that encamps around about us. Wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, he's there. He knows what we're doing. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're saying. And he knows that we need to eradicate sin in our lives and to give our will to God, to will to serve him with a full heart. But... You know, our God is greater. Psalm 91, everybody knows this, you know. The storms of life overtake us, but we have a harbor in Christ, you know, that he will be beside us and and we can offer our discipline unto him in this season and say, Lord, I want to discipline. You know, the purpose of this discipline 
is that after 40 days, it's a habit. So be careful what you give up, because after the 40 days, it is a habit. Dorothy, bless her heart, she had coffee all the time, and so she was uh, inspired to give up coffee. That doesn't seem too holy, does it? But it's not good for your body, is it, if you ingest too much? And after 40 days, she never drank coffee again. See, if you can give up something something spiritual, get into something spiritual, give up your will in something, and you can do that for 40 days, you may not want to get back to it. Because God wants to change us. He wants to bring us into a holy place with him. And he wants to, to prepare us for destiny. He wants us to prepare us for what is going to happen in our world, that we will stand strong. Psalm 32, 5, it's about repentance. It says, I acknowledge my sin. Oh, that is so hard. I acknowledge my sin unto thee and mine iniquity, and I don't hide it. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgiveth the iniquity of my sin, Selah. God is calling for this today. He's calling for our mouths to be cleansed. He's calling for our hearts to be cleansed. He's calling for our thought processes to be cleansed. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Because sometimes we conjure conjure it up in our mind. And here the devil is coming against us. And it was our own doing. So that's why you need the scriptures before you. That's why when you go home, put the bulletin by your bed. And when you wake up in the night, start reading the scriptures. And you'll see that God will speak to you and give you a holy purpose for the reason of being wakened in the night. I tell you today, this is a season that's a season of striving. When does the pastor ever talk about striving? I want to run the aisles, don't you? I want the joy of the Lord. I want the blessings. But to have the blessings, we have to become committed to the will of God. We say, I will, Lord. That was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I am wrong. And repent immediately as we can. Christians need to come clean before the Lord. We cannot have a clean body of Christ if Christianity does not come clean for the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe this. The devil has so polluted our world. We are like enveloped in pollution. Our world is full of pollution. They're changing the laws of God's creative power. And so we just kind of go along. You know, we don't we don't agree with it. But what do we do about it? Mostly we don't even say nothing because it causes a riff if we say something. But church, we need to clean our vessels, walk amongst the pollution and be the light that God wants us to be. This is a season of striving. This is a season of looking in the mirror at ourselves, the spiritual mirror and saying, God, what is it that you want from me? What what can I do for you? How can I be a better Christian? How can I deal with the issues of my life? You know, we have issues. We have issues. I have issues. I tell you something. When I come into the presence of certain things, I have issues. Now, first of all, do I want to pray about it or do I want to be critical about it? See, so God wants us to be prayerful about it, to say, honey, that's not correct. Let me cleanse my heart right here. Let me not look at this. Let me not do this. Let me not think this. 
The mind of Christ is in me. And the enemy is out to destroy us, church. And he is slowly destroying the church. The church is not as powerful as it once was. That's not Jesus' fault. That's not God's fault. That's the church's fault. The people who have the temple of God living in them. God is speaking to his people today. And he wants a covenant with us. And he wants us to act like we're committed to him. And to be a, a, a mate to him as he prepares us for eternal life. You cannot say, you cannot have a thing against God and say, well, that's just me. God knows my heart. Let me tell you something, church. He does know your heart. He knows every thought and little stinker in your heart. He knows it. So he knows that that's a sin that that you're involved in. And he knows that you're convicted of it. And he knows that you keep it. But this is a generation and a season of striving. And we say, I will give it up. I will not do that. I will be what you want me to be. I will use my eye in humility to say, I will honor you, God. The sin life is killing the church of Jesus Christ at large. It's not just to get pretty and go to church and sit there and, and, and have a friendship. Is more than that. You are come when you don't even feel like it. You come when you're sick. You come when you're discouraged. You come when you've did, had a bad week. You still come. And you come through the doors and there's a cleansing power that kind of just envelops you. And you feel that you're in a clean place, you know. God wants to keep us like that. We have to walk with him in such a way that we will always feel the cleanness of his power in our life. And we cannot just have a, be all clean in one little spot. There cannot be one little spot in our heart that we reserve for us. Everything. God wants your whole heart. That's what the message is about today. He knows your heart. He knows you love him. He knows you want to serve him. He knows that you have weakness. There was a weakness in Christ for a moment when he said, Father, could you take this cup from me? So we have weaknesses in his church. But we have to overcome those weaknesses by saying, nevertheless, I will do what you want me to do, Father. Nevertheless, I will do that. I, I will just be quiet or I will give what you ask me to give. I mean, I will empty my purse. I will do what you want me to do. If the church could come to that place, maybe we could see the miracles again. Maybe we could see the power and the anointing of God. Maybe we'd be slain in the spirit again, you know. Maybe we would see the old-fashioned power of the Pentecostal move of God come in alive and in fruition because we decide to be more holy than we are. We would decide to be more powerful to say, I will, God, take my will out. And I will be what you want me to be. Psalm 34, 1 and 2 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Church, that's not just a glorious worship scripture. Listen to what it says. I will bless the Lord. How? At all times. Good times, bad times, prosperous times, poor times. I will bless the Lord at all times. That's why David was so precious to God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of and be glad. First, we have to be humbled before we can show the humility of Christ 
to those that we love. The devil is stepping up his pace, and God is greater than the devil's pace. But the only way that God can be greater is if we let him be greater, if we content content to be greater. If we say, Lord, I'm, not, I'm greater this, than this situation. I'm greater than this issue. I'm greater. I know that I fail, but I know you are greater. And you know, the more that you say that, the more that that becomes indelible in your spirit, you will be able to overcome. God is calling for overcomers. They overcome by your testimony. That doesn't mean you get up and say you're, you're holy. That means that you live a life that is a testimony of Jesus Christ. And no matter what comes your way, what issue comes your way, you say, I will serve the living God and I will not be tempted by the works of darkness. He cannot overthrow me. Church, we need to know that we cannot be overthrown by the works of darkness and the things that he brings upon us. So he says, I will bless the Lord at all times and and continually I will bless the Lord. And he says, the humble will hear of and be glad. There's some humility that's needed in Christianity today. There's some humility that's needed in our pulpits today. You know, I can do nothing except Jesus Christ help me. And we need to all have that understanding that I cannot overcome this unless I ask the Lord to help me. And when I ask him to help me, then it becomes my job to overcome and to do with the works, do not do the works of darkness. Now, Psalm 32, 8 is so important. God says, this is God speaking, and he says, I will, I will instruct thee. And I will teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. And I will guide thee with mine eye. But church, when he says, go here, go there, do this, do we say, well, tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. I don't feel like it today. But but I will. I will do it. But our promises are so fragile. And they're so weak. And they're so breakable. But you know what? God never breaks his promise to us. He said, I will never leave you. We get into a bad week and we are just an awful person. But he never, he never sides away from us. He stays there convicting us, trying by his Holy Spirit to, to cleanse us and to bring our will into the proper function, uh, to function of life. God desires a whole heart church. The church of Jesus Christ at large gives him this much. They love him. They need him. They, they want him when they want him, and they want the things that God wants. But, you know, there are sacrifices in our life, things that we have to do to sacrifice and to come against a sin area in our life. I mean, I don't even like to preach about this because, you know, that's the enemy harasses you when you speak about sin. But church, sin is rampant in the church of Jesus Christ. And God wants it to come out. He wants the church to be pure. He wants the church to stand for something right and good and holy. And he's calling upon us to do that. And I feel that in my spirit so strong. He wants us to have a whole heart. He wants all of our heart to be committed to him. Does that mean we won't err? I'm sure we will err because we're in the flesh. But I tell you something, we will overcome quickly. We will come to forgiveness quickly. We will not hide our sin and go on in our sin. We will raise our sin up before him and say, God, this is my sin. Take it out of me. I don't want it. I will to have it redeemed. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants our whole heart. Romans 7.23. If you ever want to talk about for sin and forgiveness, get into the book of Romans. It's powerful. It says, "For it, but I see a law, another law in my members. You want to do good, church? Do you want to do good? But do you see uh, issues popping up in your life and worrying against you? Paul wrote this. You know, and he says, there's a warring in my members against the law of my mind. Look what the enemy is doing. He is striving to tear down our mind, to to, to put pollution in our mind and keep us from the righteousness of God. I say this sincerely. And he says, it's in my mind. It's bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. You know, you get a sniffle and you think, oh, now I'm going to get a cold. But when you get the sniffle, that's the time to rebuke it. That's the time to set at liberty the power and the anointing of God in our life. Same way, you know, we see our bills go up. The utility bills go up and we start saying, how will I ever know how to do this? I know how it feels, church. But let me tell you something. We just lay our, my mom just laid her hand on it and said, Lord, I give this to you because I can't do it. You know, and somehow there come the coal down the chute. This is true. We had no coal. We were freezing. We were locked in one room, a whole family. And my mom, she never, she never strayed one bit. And she came and she said, kids, lay your hand here and we're going to pray that God helps us with the utilities. And in that day, before the day was over, there was coal going down the chute. And some brother in the church, the Lord spoke to him and told him, we, we hardly knew him. And he came and brought a load of coal. That's the power and the anointing of God. That's defeating the devil. You've got to defeat him. Before we open our mouth, we have to defeat the works of darkness. You know, because it's just prevalent today. We are surrounded in a pot of pollution. And we just get there and we just serve God. We go to church. But God wants us to demand that that pollution you know, be eradicated in our presence and we come to him in our sins and we ask him to forgive us and we cleanse us and make us holy and righteous unto him and raise up a standard in the church of Jesus Christ. God wants our whole heart and there's a warring in our members daily to not give him our whole heart. And when you feel that coming, that's when you need to stand like Jesus did in the wilderness. He said, it is written. You cannot do this to me. It is written in God's word that you cannot do this to me. And I put it in his hands and I'm not going to think about it again until you bring the victory. Church, my final scripture this morning is from Romans 8.13. And it says, for you, if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. That's an awesome scripture, but what does it mean? What does mortify mean? It means to subdue fleshly things. Mortify means to give your desires to God. But in the dictionary, it says mortify means your desires. Quit them. Well, how much more important is that to the body of Christ than to the dictionary? Mortify the things in your life that is against God. First of all, deal with your flesh. 
Second, then, deal with your spirit. Deal with your mind. Deal with those thing issues that you have. Mortify them. Come before them. Claim them that they're wrong. Ask God to forgive them. Get God on them. Let God know you have them. Mortify means self-denial. And that's what the discipline is about in this season. It's about denying yourself of something in preparation for what God is going to do in your life in this holy season. This was a dark season. Jesus was tempted. He was tried. You know, and he went out and every time he ministered the gospel, they wanted to kill him. And he had to go someplace else and get out of the way because they would kill him. They testified against him. They spoke horrible things about the son of the living God. This was his season of torment, his season, you know, of striving. But he overcome. He overcome by the promise of his father. He overcome because the father promised him, if you do this, you will bring redemption to my people. I'm sure they had some kind of a conversation like that. Because, you know, we always question. God says, pick up the phone and call sister or so or brother, somebody. We think, well, now is that you, Lord, or is that just me? What, You know, why don't we just do it? When we feel a nudge, why don't we just do it? Why don't we not question? Why do we not strive with it? We just do it. If something pops into our mind, just do it. I was going down the interstate or the bypass and something came in my mind i was preaching this sermon to myself trying to get it in order for me and i was going down the highway and this popped into my mind something popped into my mind and i said well lord i'm already headed the other way you know and and i before i even realized that i was responding to what the lord was saying and not even realizing that i had heard his voice that he had said that. So I, I turned around. I did what he asked. And it was it was right because God blessed it. And I tell you something, church. God is like that. He loves to tell you to go his way when you're going your own way. He just loves to take you down a different journey than you have planned, you know. Because it shows that you are willing. And it shows that, that you are responsive. And that you can relinquish your will. It's hard to relinquish your will. I like my will. I'm sure that you like your will. But we must mortify the flesh. In this passage of scripture, it says that. And then Jeremiah 24. I suggest you read the whole chapter. But seventh verse says, I will give them a heart to know me. That is a new prayer in my life. I said, God, give me a heart to know you. I want to know you. I, I, I've had enough, many years with my own thoughts, my own life, my own issues. But, Lord, I want a heart to know you. Because if he gives us a heart to know us, then he will guard our heart when we should have guarded. And he will open our heart when it needs to be opened. He will open our ears when it needs to be opened. So he says, I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. And they shall be my people. And I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with a whole heart. Christianity needs to return unto God with a whole heart. It's not about facilities. It's not about outward things. It's about the inward, you know, things of our heart that God wants us to do. And so I give this to you today that you've got to relinquish your will in some areas of your life. We have to relinquish 
our will and to know that he will give us the knowledge to know his heart. What does that mean? That means we know what to do. That means when he nudges us, we know to respond. That means when he asks us, oh, you should you should not say that. You should uh, go into forgiveness for that. When When he says that, we should know that. And he says, I am the Lord. They shall be my people. Do you want to be his people, church? He says, I, you know, we will be his people and he will be our God. How important is that, church? So important today. May the church of Jesus Christ return to a whole heart. May the power and the anointing of God be upon us, our church. I love our church. I love our people. I know that we are a God-fearing people. But we need to grow in the power of God. We need to know his heart. Psalm 91. Psalm 9. 1. Said, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. church when I say let us worship I I, I don't hear the sound of worship like I want to hear it but it's not my will it's God's will God wants to hear the sound of your heart in worship you know you say well I I can yell hallelujah what does that do well it reaches the throne room says to God, somebody down there is worshiping. But God understands your heart. I think there's a lot of silent heart praise in this house. I really do. Because God blesses this house. Over the years with this house, I've been here over 40 years. And we are a blessed house. No matter what, we are, we are a blessed house. And God has blessed us. So... You know, if you run, if you won the lottery, which we don't play, do we? If you won the lottery, there would be a rejoicing, wouldn't there? Like, I'm sure that there was a lot of rejoicing in the house when the chiefs won. And a lot of sadness when the 49ers lost, or the... <laughs> But you know, you know what I'm saying. If you've ever been to a, a whole stadium, I went once to a whole stadium football game, and you have to cover your ears because there's such a high praise for the whoever is playing. God needs more more praise than that. He needs a higher praise than that. And it, and you, I want to encourage the church today to just start. By speaking the words out loud. Lord, we love you. Let's try it. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's what I want to hear, church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, we want to be boldly loving for God, don't we? Thank you, Jesus. So let the praises ring. Uh, I would like to uh, remind you... um, Jeremiah 24, 7, to pray this in your prayer times. I will give them a heart to know me. Let's pray that. Father, give us a heart to know you. 
Father, give us a heart to recognize that we are your people, Father God, and that no matter what comes against us, Lord, you are more powerful than the works of darkness. And Father, in these 40 days of testing where you tested the Lord Jesus, Father God, we have we are in testing times, oh God. Give us a heart to know you, to know your will, to know what you desire of us, oh God. Father, take out the worldly things. We are in the world, but we are not of the world, oh God. Take out those worldly things that detour us, oh God, that maybe even cause us to sin. Father, I pray, Father God, that you make us mindful of sin, that we will not let it enter into our hearts, oh God. Let us know your heart and what it is you want from us in this season. Let us follow our Savior all the way to the cross, O God. Let us be crucified with him that we might rise in newness of power and newness of strength as a bold Christian of God. For this we give you thanks. Lord, bless the offerings today as they bring their tithes. We give you thanks, O God, in Jesus' holy name.